2: Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre.
5: What is up, Straight Fire fam? It is your boy, Jason McIntyre, here on Straight Fire for Thursday, November 4th. woo Boy, the sports news in the NFL has just been so damn chaotic these last, I don't know, 72 hours. I mean, what a week it's been. Although, although before I get to Aaron Rodgers and his um, homeopathic treatments, <laughs> can I raise my antibody levels that way, please? Um, we I got to give a shout out to you guys. Thank you for the great response to the Tim Brando interview. He was on fire It's a big college football weekend. I will. Listen, I'll do the best bets on Friday. But I'll tell you right now, out of principle, I bet Cincinnati, they're favored by like 22 over Tulsa. And, you know, they're going to come out one of two ways. uh, As we talked about with Brando, they're going to either let this get to their head, they're going to get impacted by it, they're not focused, and maybe they lose. Or they come out scorched earth and put one on Tulsa and show the committee what they're missing out on. So uh, I I just want to give you guys a big thank you for the Tim Brando interview. And we got a good one today. Uh, Before we dive into Aaron Rodgers, we brought in a former NFL GM, uh, Randy Mueller. You may know him. He's been on the pod before. Real sharp guy. Was the GM of the Dolphins. Has worked in many front offices. Does some stuff for Fox Sports. Has his own website. He... It helps us get to the bottom of what the hell the Dolphins are doing right now with this chase of Deshaun Watson. What's going on with the Browns and Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield? And um, it's it's a chaotic time in the NFL. Like, how the hell are the Raiders supposed to focus on a game this week when two weeks ago their coach got dusted for decade old emails, and this week one of their star receivers was driving 156 miles an hour and got in a while drunk. And wrecked his car and killed someone. I don't know if you're the Raiders, how you get through this week. But, uh, you know, Randy will help us make sense of all that. Um, And, by the way, at the end of the podcast, best bet a couple for Jets-Colts tonight. Yes, I will be glued to the TV. Very, very excited to watch my Jets. And Mike White, the immortal Mike White in action. But first, Aaron Rodgers has COVID. And it was funny, the watching how rapidly this moved on Wednesday morning. It was like Aaron Rodgers has COVID. He's not going to play this weekend against Kansas City. And that stinks because this is a fun fact. I did not know. Aaron Rodgers has never faced Patrick Mahomes. The two teams played two years ago, but Mahomes was hurt. Matt Moore filled in. I'm almost certain that was a primetime game and Aaron Rodgers won by a touchdown. Now, Jordan Love will get the start against Patrick Mahomes. So we are being robbed. This kind of has a feel of Kobe versus LeBron. Remember, we only saw them a smattering of times. You should have seen them more. Um, and we never got to see him in the finals, which stunk. But um, no Rogers Mahomes. And then about within like 15 minutes, the story pivoted from Rodgers has COVID. He's out to, Oh, Aaron Rodgers is unvaccinated. He's going to be away from the team for 10 days. Meaning the earliest he can come back is next Saturday. The day before they play the Seattle Seahawks. And the conversation it was funny how quickly the conversation pivoted from, oh man, no Rogers Mahomes this weekend to wow. And then the next shoe dropped. Wow, did you see this video from August where they asked Aaron Rodgers if he was vaccinated? And he goes, Yeah, I got immunized. And everybody interpreted that as Aaron Rodgers was vaccinated. Now, I mean <laughs> People are so worked up about this. And honestly, it's been a year and a half of COVID, maybe more. I'm sick of talking about this crap. I honestly thought it would be over by now. Not necessarily COVID, but no worries about this. Like, Devontae Adams last week, Aaron Rodgers this week. If this happens in the playoffs, and fortunately it did not last year, it's going to be awful. Especially when it's a quarterback and it's a quarterback league. And, oh, by the way, the Packers haven't lost since the opener. But... Just seeing people and listening to them and watching them fight over this. Aaron Rodgers is a liar. Not really. He said, yeah, I've been immunized. And maybe he had COVID before and he's got the antibodies. So he thought he was fine. I know plenty. Well, not plenty. I know a couple of people who are in that camp. Hey, I got COVID. I've got the antibodies. I'm good. I don't need the vax. Hey, that's you. That's your show. Go for it. Whatever. Um, Aaron Rodgers is a little bit of a different story as he's part of a large football team whose goal is to win the Super Bowl. And I'm not going to say he's cost them home field advantage with this, but, you know, the line went from Pickham to uh, Chiefs by seven and a half to eight in a heartbeat. It might be eight to half this morning. Um, and I guess then it becomes like, did he lie to the media? And you guys know how the media is. Oh, boy, you lie to them. They're going to be so ticked. Never mind that coaches lie to them frequently. GMs lie to them all the time. Um, the media is used frequently to, uh, further agendas, uh, settle scores. It's ugly. And I, I don't know. I'm sorry for not thinking he lied to the media. First of all, it is Aaron Rodgers situation. If we are going to make this a, Hey, it's my choice. I'm gonna do what I want and then not announce it. That's fine. Did he lie by saying, yeah, I got immunized. I'm sure there's a lot of people right now saying, of course he lied, Jason, don't be a jerk. According to Ian Rappaport, Rodgers received homeopathic treatment from his personal doctor to raise antibody levels. But the NFL said, okay, that's great, but you didn't get the vaccine, so you're unvaccinated. Um, Which probably means that his team, the Packers and the league, knew that he was unvaccinated. What's interesting is, and again, I'm using the word interesting because... I knew you have to have a hot take, and uh, Rob wants me coming in hot. I can't kill Rogers for this. Could I go out? Did I go after Kirk Cousins? A little bit. A little bit. Because he's the stuff he said that came out of his mouth was dumb. I personally don't think, yeah, I've been immunized is as dumb as the stuff Kirk Cousins said. Now, the other way to look at it is Jason, come on. Kirk Cousins was honest. He's doing his own research. I'd rather you say, yeah, I got immunized than say, I'm doing my own research. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, Jason, do you went after Lamar Jackson. Well, I didn't go after him. I thought, well, uh, he's really letting the team down if he gets COVID in a big spot and he can't play. That's what Aaron Rodgers did. He let the team down. He, I, I think that's undeniable, right? Rodgers doesn't have the vaccine. He got COVID. He can't play in a big game. Now, there's a non-conference game, so it's not that big, but with the Cowboys, um, with the Rams, with the Bucks, with the Cardinals all breathing down their neck, this could end up being a big swim game because, folks, I, I don't any, think anybody's afraid to come to SoFi to play the Rams in the playoffs. I don't think anybody's afraid to go to Dallas to play the Cowboys. I don't think there's any fear of going to Arizona. Those don't have distinct home field advantages. Lambeau Field, undeniably, has a massive home field advantage. It's you're I, I just mentioned uh, Toss in Tampa. They don't have a huge home field advantage. But... If you're telling me all of a sudden warm weather Arizona, warm weather L.A., uh, warm weather Tampa has to go to Lambeau, and yes, I know they just Tampa just did it last year. I get that. It was a nice win. Um, I think I, if you ask Green Bay, would, we, would you rather host the NFC Championship game or go to Arizona, L.A., Tampa, uh, or wherever? What do you think the answer is? Of course they'd rather play at home. And now, it's, it's a stretch because we're still in the middle of the season to say that it did cost them home field advantage. I think the whole— well, wait a sec. It's not just that he lied, Jay. He's doing all these press conferences without a mask, and this is the media getting huffy because they think Aaron Rodgers lied to them. And I mostly just laugh at this, and I keep coming back to that Friends episode, Ross and Rachel. They were dating, you know, David Schwimmer and Jennifer Aniston, and then they got in an argument. I I personally think Friends is unwatchable on reruns, but. They go on like a break. They didn't break up. They were on a break. And of course, what does Ross go do? He has like a one night stand, you know, he hooks up with some copy girl chick. And then of course they get back together, him and Rachel, and then she finds out and he's like, well, we were on a break. And it's like one of those deals where like, did you think he was on a break and he can hook up with someone or is that cheating? And I think, to me, that's obvious. But you ask a bunch of other people, they probably uh, they probably have a different opinion. All that being said, I think if you ask 100 people, Aaron Rodgers, did he lie? Or was he just kind of not being truthful or you choosing his words carefully to be cagey? And I will remind you at this point that a lot of people stand in front of the media and lie. Countless times, LeBron... Uh all the big name stars, Michael Jordan, Kobe, you name it, they lie. This is what coaches, GMs, players, like it's not the end of the world. Nobody out there got COVID and died that we know of from Aaron Rodgers. Like if you want to extrapolate it, like go go try to play that garbage card. But I, I just I found it more funny than anything that the media was really worked up about Aaron Rodgers. There's like the media's angry gamblers are upset anybody who bet the Packers by the way this line was like two and a half kc and in the last like 48 hours it went to pick and it's like oh a lot of people think the Packers are the side in this game well those people are now devastated because they have a Packers ticket um getting two points when they're now big underdogs um I personally would look at the under in that game but nevertheless um I I I I, I just the NFL drama Odell Beckham Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to put Henry Ruggs in there. Sorry. Deshaun Watson uh, and the the Dolphins chasing him. Um, just so many wild storylines this week. Um, we haven't even really been able to dig into the NBA, which I've actually been crushing in my bets. And yes, some people have asked. Uh, they're on Twitter. Follow my buddy Vic. He posts our picks. I try to put them on IG. I didn't put them in time yesterday. Of course, I went 2-0. I know you're upset. Uh, but look for them tomorrow. I'll Do my best. All right, without further ado, let's get to Randy Mueller, former Miami Dolphins general manager.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this.
1: Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Toyo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
3: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs)
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports.
5: I know what sports fans want.
4: But for everything he doesn't, he
3: knows a guy who does. Let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy
1: who knows another guy.
5: All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire a guest. He's been here before. Former NFL front office guy, was in Seattle, uh, the Chargers, of course, the Miami Dolphins, the team I dislike the most as a Jets fan. <laughs> let's bring in uh, Randy Mueller. Randy, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Good to be with you again. Yeah, yeah. Great to have you back. in the timing, we could not have asked for a better setup given the situation. <laughs> we'll call it a situation in Miami. <laughs> Stephen Ross, uh, according to reports, spoke to Deshaun Watson this week. I mean, it's absolutely crazy Then the GM Wednesday morning had to come out and say, well, listen, this is my job. I've got to explore. Deshaun Watson and the best players, that's what I do. Randy, listen, this is no win situation if you're in (laughs) Miami, right? I mean, I I, I guess tackle it from any aspect that you want. I am curious how your dealings went with Steven Ross when you were there. Um, But I, I just, I don't know what Greer's supposed to say, but at the same time, you know, I don't know why he's asking about Deshaun Watson when he's got Tua that he just drafted last year. Right.
3: Yeah, I, I kind of see it from all angles, really. And my owner when I was there was Wayne Heisinga so I do not know Stephen Ross. Okay. But Chris worked for me when I was there. I know Chris very well. And I, I'd like to think I may have showed him a thing or two. But <laughs> one of those things is to be involved in every deal, right? That's always been my philosophy. I want to know about every deal that's out there. We can gather the information. We can always say no, but here's the caveat, and, and I wrote about this at Mueller Football the other day. It it all makes sense until you gotta wear an eye patch, right? Until you gotta cover something up that has has infiltrated your locker room and i just think this is a it it kind of took on a life of its own and creeped into the dolphin locker room and i think it's been a black cloud i really Mm -hmm. do i don't think you can win in this case tua is your quarterback he obviously said that he put brian flores in a really tough spot because he had to defend it but couldn't really defend it it just seemed like there were a lot of entities at work there and a lot of agendas so i feel bad for chris uh hey, these are the guys, Chris and Brian, that elected to use the fifth pick a year ago on it. Yeah. So they have to be in somewhat on him. The fact that this has come out. And, and I think Chris is just trying to explain that, hey, we're going to investigate. We're going to do our due diligence. We're going to do everything we can and then make a decision. I just think this one got away from them a little bit yeah. in that it was so public that, you
5: know, it was really a no win situation. It's weird, though. Due diligence like The Chargers just drafted Herbert. They're not doing any diligence. The Bengals just drafted Joe Burrow. They're not doing the diligence. So what does that say about their confidence in Tua in the year and a half they've seen?
3: Well, and that's the problem because it got public. I think you'd be surprised at how many deals get explored within GM ranks and within NFL buildings that never get out. It's just, it's hard to do now when you have all these people involved that it's going to get out. And anytime you have permission to and talk to a player, for sure it's going to get out who's on another team. So I thought it was a little peculiar in that they didn't make the call till the night before the trade deadline. That told me that I don't know if Houston really wants to trade this guy if they didn't give him, you know, yeah. uh, permission way ahead of time. That's a conversation that I'm sure they were afraid would get out. And so, you know, they they squeezed a the window on on gathering the information, which really makes it hard, I think, to consummate a deal when you have a deadline like that.
5: Yeah, Randy, I, I just wonder, um, you know, if you are Tua, right? These, these are millionaire athletes. They are tough guys, obviously. They play a physical sport. Uh, they have people cheering for them every weekend. They go to bars. Women throw themselves at them. But these egos can be fragile, right? You're dealing with a, a guy like Tua, like – what what what's going through his mind? Do you recall ever having to deal with athletes, or it was this public of a situation?
3: Not really. Not oh, yeah. that has gone public to this point. I, I think they are very fortunate in that they have a high character guy in Tua. That he will take the high road. That he's not going to make them pay for you know cheating on him, so to speak. He's <laughs> he's going to keep saying the right thing. He's gonna he's going to take the company line. And I think they're fortunate. I think this may end up buying him a little more street cred and a uh-huh. little more cachet within Miami ranks. Not that there was doubt, but I just think the way he's handled it, I think that the fans down there will support him even more and probably give him reason
5: to root for him more because oh. of the way he's handled it. So just my Interesting. opinion. I mean, you know, I would say this weekend, we'd probably give him a pass. They're going to kill the Texans. But yeah. the next time he has a two-interception half – are they like, hey, we should have got Deshaun Watson? You know, that's it's tough. I want to ask right. the the owner angle. Um, I know every owner can be different. We know some like to meddle more than others. When you were with Haizinga, was he one of these hands-off guys? Um, you know, how do you deal with an owner who's getting on the phone with a quarterback the yeah. night before the trade deadline? Like, I.
3: Right. I've never worked for one that was hands-on. That's for sure. That to me might be a handful. Um, And and it's funny. I I saw a clip in from the, from the suite or the press box where Stephen Ross was watching last week's game from, and a couple of guys ran up to him with phones, you know, making calls. And I got to thinking to myself, what a nightmare. Now the owner and his people are involved in trades and, and, and who knows what these calls were even about, but it just made me think that, gosh, this could be hard to manage. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm not in the middle of this because there's, he said, she said, this mm-hmm. guy wants it. This guy doesn't. It's hard to build a consensus in an NFL office on anything. You, you, you struggle to know what time is right to take the garbage out. <laughs> but in this case, when there's so many entities involved, yeah. you know, to uh, Justin Herbert, uh, the Sean Watson, the criminal stuff, the civil stuff, mm. there's just a lot of moving parts. And it just seemed like a no win situation. That's why I said, in this case and I, i've said this for weeks now i couldn't do it if i was miami i wouldn't even walk this plank i wouldn't even go down this road i just didn't want all this distraction yeah. i just think it got out of hand and it made no sense to me because i don't think they were ever able to, co- uh, to come to a, a compet- uh, um the package for the for for the compensation because you don't even know when you're going to get yeah. you know watson you don't know if when just too many things
5: were up in the air it, it, i forgot about the fluorized angle so historically, GMs and coaches have been tied together, right? The GM yep. hires the coach. Usually, not always. Yeah, uh, You know, when they win 10 games last year, it's like Brian Flores, great coach, everything's good. They come back this year, basically the same team. I know there's been some injuries. I mean, they're one in seven, I think, right? Right. Is the coach in trouble? Or is this, the, I mean, is this the new, like, hey, man, you yeah. get a year or two and then it's move on. Is Greer in trouble? What What's your read on, uh, you know, the Miami front office?
3: Well, I don't know what the result will be, but I do know this. They've kind of chosen to blow up their team two or three times. Just in three three years, they've been there together. So that always, went, you know, they spent a lot of money last year on players that they released after the season or moved on after the season. I think to the tune of 10 or $12 million in signing bonuses, they just wrote off. So that's that's hard to do. I just, I can't. Can't imagine changing your mind on these players that they bring in. They draft Mika Fitzpatrick in the first round and a year later, trade him to the Steelers. That's so right. they've just flip-flopped on a lot of players on evaluations. Nobody spent more capital on trying to fix their offensive line than the Dolphins have. They've drafted four or five different offensive linemen in the first four rounds
5: the last three years. Look at their offensive yeah. line. It's still they, kind of the shambles, they had The so. Tunsil situation, right? Wasn't yeah. that with the gas mask bong? And um, yeah. it, nothing's going right. They, they're they starting to get a whiff of the Cleveland Browns of like the yeah. last 20 years. And that's yeah, a right. dangerous cycle that uh, to just keep going and hire the coach, hire the GM, new quarterback. Um, all right, let's move on from the Dolphins because I, I love to just hammer them. Um, <laughs> I can you know, tell. You, we, you get some enjoyment <laughs> out of a little of glee in that. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, d- the Jets are taking a little bit of a pass here given Mike White pulled off the unthinkable and shocked the Bengals. That being said, Peter King was on here last week and said, listen, if you are the Jets' Joe Douglas, how on earth did you not have a veteran backup in place for Zach Wilson? He goes down. They have to go scrambling to sign Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's like, I'm ready to play. They're like, dude, you're not close to ready. You're not even uh, in the system yet. And now Joe Flacco is probably thinking, wait a minute, what did I come here for? I'm a backup to a guy named Mike White? Um, The Jets did get a pass initially, but... I don't know, Randy, should the Jets have done something uh, before when they drafted Zach Wilson? Like, hey, we got to bring in a strong veteran.
3: Well, I think you got to credit Joe Douglas. I'll be honest with you. Mm. We may not have understood who Mike White was and what he was capable of, (laughs) but I think he did. Right. I said the same thing when the season started. Where's the veteran presence? Zach needs someone to bounce this off of. That's been there, done that. And, and all along, we might be wrong because Mike White showed he can not only play, but he's capable of processing. He looked comfortable out there. I think what he can share with Zach Wilson now when Zach comes back is, is just as good as what a veteran could mm. do. So, you know, I questioned they gave a draft pick to get Joe Flacco back. You know, that that to me was an asset that they kind of flushed in order to get Joe back. I'm not a Joe Flacco guy. I didn't I don't think he inspires anybody. (laughs) I don't know that he's going to help our room, you know, a whole bunch. So that to me was kind of a milk toast, kind of a wash type deal. But I'd have to be I I would want to see more of Mike White. And I guess we're going to see that this week.
0: (laughs) We'll see against the Colts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
5: I got to ask, Randy, this, um, this situation with the Raiders, and uh, we don't need to go into the Henry Ruggs. Obviously, he's in significant trouble uh, out of the league right now. But on the heels of the Gruden thing, you've got Rugs. And as a GM, how do you keep this team together focused on the goal of, hey, we had a great start. Can we get to the playoffs when there's so many distractions? Like, I don't know if it's really the GM's job, but talk me through it. Like, you got an uh, an interim head coach. You got another guy in jail. Like, what does the GM do in this
3: situation? It's very much on the GM's plate, to be honest with you. And it's something that I say every year when you build your team on paper and people comment about how good you should be, how good you might not be. That's great. That's one thing, but managing your team through the ups and downs of 17 weeks is crazy hard. And people have no idea. And the Raiders are getting a little taste of that this year. It's not like uh, Mike Mayock has a bunch of experience managing NFL teams, right? So that, this is going to fall, uh, you know, mainly on his plate. Rich Besacchi's got to coach the team, but I do think it will test their relationships. I think one reason they acted so quickly in the Ruggs case was they want this. They don't. The distraction yeah. is hard, and they've had their share of of these things already. So I think. They acted quickly. They want to move on. I understand it. It's a sad case and a sad thing, but they've been filled full of this now for the last month. So, whether they can overcome this, I don't know. It's a lot to ask. I'll be honest with you a lot to ask because these guys are all human. They all understand it. Rugs has relationships there. It's going to be a tough one to swallow initially, that's for sure. So, talk me through
5: it if you're the GM. Do you address the team as a whole? Do you go offense, then defense? Do you do position groups? Like, how do you stay on message to everybody? While keeping the confidence and keeping the faith.
3: I think normally if, if John Gruden were there and and I was the GM, I would probably stay out of the mix. I would Mm. converse with John every day, but the fact that they now have a head coach who's never done it before, I think the GM has to take a more active role. And I would meet with the team as a whole more than ever before. I'm always a believer that when the season's going on, the team doesn't need to hear from the GM. I'll have some conversations with some guys at practice and in passing, but I'm not going to address the team. But I think in this case, you have to address the team. And I assume Mike has done that. I think he's got to show some leadership here, and, and I have no reason to doubt that he he hasn't already because we're all in this together. They want to hear it from the top. You may even have Mark Davis address the team as well. Wow. But I think you've got to find some togetherness here. You've got to find some some comfort with from within, and everything that's being said, everything that's being written, everything that's happening, swirling around us. We've got to confide that this is our group right here, and for and I'm not making any. Statement that it is less than sympathetic to what's happened, but they've got to find a way to win a game now this week. So they've got to
5: turn the page. It's tough to just say like, Hey, move on. You've got to move on. And it's very difficult. But how about this? Did you ever tinker with like bringing in a motivational speaker or some like outside expert to address the team and someone who, I don't, I don't want to say grief counselor, but someone who can handle this kind of thing. I I don't know what kind of guy Henry Ruggs if he was a leader in the locker room or like an alpha, but it seems like they've been through a lot and somebody's going to need to talk to them. And if you're a GM, you know, you're equipped with like, Hey, scouting and draft and free agency yep. and salary cap. You, This is a totally, you're not, there's no manual for this, right?
3: There's no manual for it. I've had to deal with some individual crises, some team crises. You know, I remember getting off a bus one time at practice and and having to tell one of our players that his grandfather had just died this, that morning. And <laughs> and you have to go through all kinds of grief stricken messaging um yes you've got to have a team in place um and maybe some of that comes with a chaplain other team other it comes with with just motivational people the team has these things in all in place already you hope you never have to yeah. use them but i would guess and I, w- I would hope in this case they use some of those things i'm not a counselor i'm you know I, i'm that's way above my pay grade yeah. but sometimes you got to figure out things. You know your players, they're going to want to come to you. You've got to show a human side and you've got to be there for them as much as anything. Sometimes it's just hearing them out. Once you get the direction that you might think they need some help in a certain area, you've got to go get it. As a GM, you've got to facilitate all the help that they need without a doubt. And I'm sure Mike has his has his hands full, that's mm. for sure. The building of your team, the scouting and all that really
5: gets pushed to the side when you have to deal with crises like yeah. these. Uh, Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, I, there was a huge, can I call it a kerfuffle, uh, among the media that Aaron Rodgers had lied to them back in August when he said he was immunized, now we're splitting hairs, Lafleur has to meet with the media Wednesday, and what does he say? That's a good question for Aaron. Yeah. I, I, obviously, you never, none of us ever dealt with anything like a global pandemic and COVID, but I, Randy, it's... Do you think people look at Aaron Rodgers as in that locker room, like he lied or do you think internally they know more than we do on the outside?
3: Well, it's been such a personal nature for all of us, right? Everywhere in the world. I do think there's going to be some that feel that there's some deception involved. I don't think, and from what I understand, I'm not in there. I don't think the protocols were followed to a T we'll find that out. The NFL has cameras everywhere. Now they're going to go through all the all the video and find out who's doing what when it comes to protocols for COVID. So if the, if the Packers are guilty of some of this, they're going to pay a heftier price than to lose, mm. uh, lose him for 10 days. So there's going to be some issues that we haven't heard the end of it. I think that's why you hear uh, the, the indecision, the little anxiousness in Matt LaFleur's um, oh. voice. Nobody really knows how this yeah. could come down. Are you,
5: are you thinking like they could get dra- doc, draft picks, fined, if protocols weren't followed, because it to me as as I'm you know recording this now, it's unclear if the team yeah. knew Rodgers had been vaccinated. Well, I don't know if the team even.
3: Well, actually, that's not true. I think they they viewed him, the league and the players association, as being unvaccinated. Oh. I think they have to know that ahead of time. So I do think you had to check a box. If you didn't then there's definitely some some wiggle room and there'll
5: be lawyers yeah. involved and everything else so cuz like the Kirk Cousins of the world was upfront yeah. about it yes yeah uh Rodgers and it is a personal thing. I'm not saying he should have been upfront but people will view it as deception. I just I don't know Randy. This is a tough one, but it's weird how many quarterbacks seem yeah. unvaccinated. A large but now Cam Newton went out and wasn't vaccinated then got vaccinated cuz he wanted to get a job. I don't I is there uh, am I reaching to say Leadership, vaccination. Like I don't. You could. Could you say Aaron Rodgers has cost his team uh, this game by not being able to play, and he's out ten days because he's unvaccinated, yeah. so he won't be eligible until the day before Seattle. Right. Uh, there's a chance he misses that game. I. I don't know. Is there a leadership issue here? Or are we reaching? There's no question that he puts his team in a tougher spot that I don't
3: think you can debate that. And yeah, I do think leadership's involved. We are all leaders to a certain point, whether it's in our lives or our families or anywhere along the way. And we all have decisions to make. If I think I'm going to put my family in some type of fear or in some type of a bad spot, I'm going to do what's best to avoid that. And I think that's why I'm surprised that these quarterbacks, there's, there's a few of them that have stuck to their guns and decided they didn't want to get vaccinated. Mm. That'd be a hard spot to put the rest of your team in, your coaches, your teammates, just because of the fact that you don't know what's going to happen. And now you're right. Instead of being able to come back after two positive tests, 24 hours apart, he's got to sit 10 days no matter what. So he's probably going to be, you know, at least in question for the Seattle game. There won't be any practice involved. That's for sure.
5: Yeah. And they were in line for the potential number one season in the NFC. Uh, Quite a disaster. All right, we can wrap up with the delicate Cleveland Browns issue. As we record this, Odell Beckham, still a member of the Cleveland Browns, but uh, there were reports Wednesday he was told to stay home from practice even though he was ready to go. Now, Randy, I know that there is no uh, binder with how to deal with angry NFL parents. I mean, Odell Beckham's dad post this video on Instagram, uh, some 11-minute YouTube video, I don't think he initially posted the YouTube, but he posted the YouTube clip on his Instagram page. And it's still up there with half a million views, probably 750,000 by now. I mean, it's clear he wants out. Right. What the hell do you do if you're the GM in the Cleveland Browns? Like, this is Stefanski's a second year coach. Um, I don't even know where to begin.
3: Well, I think it's awkward at best, right? I mean, <laughs> obviously you, you've got to have a conversation with him. He's got to have one with Baker. You know, it's something you hopefully don't ever have to deal with, but let's face it. Guys have egos, guys have their own brand, guys have their own agendas. So you're dealing with that all the time now. He's not getting traded, so he's not going away. That window is closed. Nobody's going to get an exception for that. Mm-hmm. I think in this case, you've got to try to put it to bed as fast as you can. But I think in this case, there might be more to the story than we know. Because oh. there is the, the the Browns hold the card of conduct detrimental. That's mm-hmm. one way to not pay him, and that's way, one way to suspend him. But wait, what, we don't,
5: what did he do that was detrimental? We don't know. Oh, That's my oh, point.
3: Oh, okay. We're not there. We don't know what was said mm. inside the building. I'm just saying, if they sent this kid home, there must be, there could very easily be more to it than we know. I don't think he's being sent home for his dad to put out a video yeah. on YouTube. That just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm, and again, I don't know. I don't have any voice in the room. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, but I just, if you're going to send somebody home, it's got to be worse than this. So there, uh, my guess is there's some dialogue. There's some other issue that has come up or that's been part of this. Maybe he was already on double secret probation. <laughs> Maybe he's already had two or three trips to the principal's office Maybe. before this. So we just don't know. And I think at some point the other shoe is going to drop and and we'll see. I just can't imagine them paying him $17 million to send him home. Yeah. That's not going to last. So
5: I mean, and, and that's the thing. Other people are like, oh, he'll end up with the Niners. They need receivers. Well, I'm like- Wait a sec. Why would Cleveland try to help yeah. anyone by paying him, and then he goes and plays and maybe gets to a Super Bowl or something? Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not. I wouldn't release him. Would you release him? No
3: chance. Not a, no. Especially chance, if no, you had uh, to pay him
5: now. Nope. Can, now again, I, I've never been an NFL GM. I am curious, Randy. Can they broker a deal where Odell says you don't have to pay me? I just want to move on. Is, can, does that exist or is that not even possible? I guess the players association. Yeah, no, that's not
3: going to happen. There's cap ramifications as well that, that they'll have to take some acceleration if he's not there. So mm. I'm, not, I'm not going to release him. He's either going to play and be compliant or he's not going to get paid and he's going to put on get put on, a, on an exempt list of some yeah. kind. They'll have the league involved. The NFL will be involved in it as well if it gets to a certain point. That's why I'm saying even to send him home, there's got to be more to it than yes, this. That's a good I point. mean, I, I think we can handle the video stuff in our sleep, right? We're mm-hmm. just going to bring everybody in and you know sit them in the corner and, and sort it out. But there has to be something
5: else. Are you surprised um, You know, Odell didn't say to his dad, hey, dad, you're doing more harm than good would you mind taking that down?
3: Well, of course, because uh, I
5: could make a case and put a
3: tape together of Odell throwing one hand up <laughs> and in kind of a poor effort to catch the yeah. ball that could have made the difference in the game as well. So you got to be careful yeah. when you start pointing fingers and blaming, you know, other people when I'm not sure you got your
5: own yeah. house in order. I was so- I, I was at SoFi for the Chargers-Browns game with some with buddies and my kid. And, you know, we're watching Odell. And I'm just saying, Randy, He doesn't hustle back to the huddle after running a deep route. He's just walking. You see everyone else jogging. Let's get back. He's just casual. He just didn't seem into it. And and, what happened to this guy? He was a huge star with Randy Moss-type numbers the first three years. Do you think it was simply that catch that he made against the Giants on national TV? It was everywhere. Uh, And he became a global star, and it just went to his head? Or, I mean, is it? Well, I think I heard him
3: say it, Jason, that he had his life changed after that catch. I think everything about him changed after that catch. Then he has a contract. Then he gets traded for something else. And he's he's been the big fish forever. Yeah. And if I know Kevin Stefanski's smart, he's going to try to find a way to use Uh, Odell to to help them win games, but he also has a system in place and he's not going to venture too far out of that system just to make one guy happy. So there's a, there's a double-edged sword here as to how they sort this out. It'll be interesting because if the body language has been an issue for weeks now, if they've already talked to him several times, if he's drug other people down, I see, uh, Landry, the other receiver, dropping three or four balls yeah. in a game, and he's shrugging his shoulders as well. Who knows where that's coming from? They, so yeah, they're, they're dealing with
5: some issues there. I am curious. We'll wrap on this. Do you think that if if it were up to Baker Mayfield, he would probably rather not play with Odell Beckham? Because last year, they didn't have him. He was hurt. They get to the playoffs. They win a game. And this year, Odell's back. And all of a sudden, you know, as you're a, you're a quarterback, Baker Mayfield, you're playing with a high-priced superstar who you know, like you said, puts his hand up all the time. It almost feels like he hurts more than helps. I don't know.
3: Could be. I don't think Baker really cares. I'll be honest with you. I think Baker is really... Um, it, it, nobody can question his values, his heart, his toughness. After what he did last week, he got a broken shoulder and a torn leg room, and they rolled him out there. So I don't yeah. think you can question him wanting to win and do what's right for the team. So I really don't think he cares. I think everybody sees the talent of OBJ. It's just a matter of harnessing it and get yeah. it done in a positive way without all
5: the distractions that Distraction. that's been the case for four or five years though. The key word. All right, Randy Mueller, good stuff. Uh, tell us about your website.
3: Well, I do a little consulting work at MuellerFootball.com. I also write for a blog on there that uh, two or three times a week, I'll, I'll have some thoughts from the GM's chair. And then obviously I do the podcast uh, for The Athletic with Mike Sando called The
5: Football GM. So just enough to keep yeah. me busy. We love your work at Fox Sports as well. Uh, yep. All right, Randy, thanks a lot. And uh, enjoy the rest of the drama-filled NFL <laughs> season. Never stops. Thank you.
4: The only thing better than sitting on your couch watching the game is making money while you do it. Here's your best bet.
5: All right, it's time for the best bet here on Straight Fire. My Jets in the primetime against the Colts. Not a game you want to build your Thursday night around. Colts 3-5 and five after that devastating loss to the Titans. Jets 2-5 and five after the huge win over the Bengals. And it's funny because I had a couple Jets buddies actually text me, hey, um, have you looked at the schedule? Do you think we got a chance at the playoffs? And I'm like, I, I, I had to, I, I couldn't, I didn't have my sarcasm detector on me, so I wasn't sure if this person was being real. But essentially, I was like, wait a minute, we still have two games left against the Bills. Like, I know that, that we still have to play Miami twice, that that could be a win or two, and there's Houston, but... We're in the AFC like we don't even have our quarterback. I I don't want to hear this Mike White uh, stuff like a a factor in the Jets could make a playoff run. The week before that, they got smashed. They gave up fifty four points and five hundred and change yards. Like they got lucky to beat the Bengals. Let's let's just take it for what it is. The Jets got a lucky win. They were down by eleven with five minutes left, came back and won the game. Like they got lucky. Let's be realistic. And all these people rushing, you know, the most obvious prop bet that everybody's going to hammer is uh, the receiver props for Michael Carter and Ty Johnson. So Mike White, who is a real name, was 37 of 45 against the Bengals. Of those 37 completions, are you ready for this? 14 went to Michael Carter and Ty Johnson, who you would not know if, the, if if you had a pizza delivered to your house, and Ty Johnson or Michael Carter were delivering the pizza, you would have no idea who they were. It was check down city. Why is that? Well, the Bengals linebackers stink in coverage. So Mike White gave what the defense was offering. All check down. They did not throw another ball down the field. Zero passes over 26 yards. It was all short stuff. What do you think the Colts are going to do? They're smart. They watch the tape. They have way better coverage linebackers. Uh, Okariki, Darius Leonard, they are going to take that away and say, okay, beat us on the outside. Can you? Can you beat us on the outside with Denzel Mims, who is totally looking like a massive flop as a second-round pick? We know Jamison Carter's good in the slot. Uh, He might be a problem. But they're going to take away the running back passes. That's obvious. It just feels like a lot of the NFL handicapping these days is looking at what happened last week and making your decision based on that. And it's like, that's just, I just think that's terrible. If anything, I'm going to fade that narrative on a prop bet and go under Michael Carter receptions of five and a half. Because if we know Mike White lived and survived through the dump-offs, anytime he had to throw the ball down the field, well, he was intercepted twice. It's like, all right, we'll take away what he does and see what his move is after that. So... I'm not optimistic at all about this game. Uh Colts have a good run defense. Uh didn't look particularly good last week, but against Derrick Henry they held him to like 2.9 yards a carry. Um uh, 49ers gashed them early, but then they slowed slow to uh, they were slowed down by the Colts run defense. I I got a bad feeling the Jets get blown out here. Um I don't trust Carson Wentz, which is good. If any if you're asking me where the bet is, I would take Ten and uh, I'm sorry, I would give 10 with the Colts. I don't like 10 and a half. So if you can't if you don't want to, you know, if you don't see a 10 anywhere, I'm not I'm not doing 10 and a half. No, thank you. I've had enough brutal beats by half a point this year. I'm not messing with that. But I like the props. I like Michael Pittman over the Jets secondary remains a just an absolute mess. Colts offensive line is better than the Bengals. And remember, Burrow was under duress, sacked three times, could not get loose, um, had a couple big plays to uh a dump off to Mixon and then T. Higgins down the field. But Jamar Chase was super quiet. Jets shaded toward him. Only three catches on nine targets. However, the reality is Michael Pittman is he's not as good as Jamar Chase, but Michael Pittman's gonna have a field day indoors against his Jets secondary. I like Pittman over yards. I like Pittman over catches. Uh it doesn't look like T.Y. Hilton's gonna play. Um, I would I, I think the Colts pro, this to me feels like a 27-10 Colts win. And, you know, I don't again, I'm not one of these guys who's, you know, a Jets fan and is like, we got to win this game. Let's get back in the playoff mix. Like that does nothing. This team is so has so talent deficient, is so talent deficient all over the place. I mean, the secondary is one of the worst in the league. Um, The linebackers, they need an upgrade. Now we'll see what happens. They got a bunch of injuries. They got a lot of guys who we haven't seen yet. They don't have a tight end. Um, I really don't think they have a number one receiver. By the way, um, Corey Davis out again. Um, So, and listen, I like Mike White's story last week. Great. There's zero chance he duplicates that or comes close. Zero. I'm sorry. No, I mean, it's just not happening. Um, So I'll go Colts 27, Jets 10. And I I know this is not going to be popular, but I am looking seriously at the Colts in Survivor. It's probably going to be a game day pick and... Um, I would I would look to start the Colts defense in fantasy. They could have a night Thursday night uh, football. Um, for rookie coaches has not been kind. Uh, we saw how badly the Eagles fell behind earlier this year. It's just it's a tough one for a, for a young coach, especially off that win over the Bengals. So I'm not optimistic about the Jets. I will watch it after my daughter's soccer practice. Everybody have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: All State wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue.